welcome to Dig Deep. I am so excited to introduce our guest speaker to you today. Peggy Wolf is one of our wonderful small group leaders, and she is a mom of two beautiful girls. She is the wife to Chris, and you guys have been married for how long? It'll be 19 years. 19 years, yeah. She is just a dear friend, and I'm so excited to hear what she has to share with us today. So join me in welcoming Peggy. <laughs> Well, good morning. Welcome to Dig Deep. Um, it is such a privilege to be here with you all this morning. I have to admit, I was a bit hesitant when Jess asked me if I would talk, but I will say that if I have, could have chosen any uh, week to speak, this would have been the one, because we're going to be in Romans 12, 6 to 8 today, which deals with the topic of spiritual gifts. And I love the spiritual gifts. Um, God wired me with this innate curiosity about people and why they do what they do, and why they are the way they are. Um, when I was growing up, I would take every single one of those silly personality quizzes in the back of every magazine that I could find. Um, I majored in English, but I squeezed in as many psychology classes as I could manage. Um, I could talk to you all day long about the five love languages and the Myers-Briggs, and I am a quality time ENFJ all the way. Um, and I feel the same way about spiritual gifts. The sheer diversity of gifts, which we're going to get to in a moment, and the way that God orchestrates them just never ceases to amaze me. Now, before we jump into our verses in Romans, I just want to clarify what is a spiritual gift. The word normally translated as gift in the New Testament is the Greek word charismata. The word means gifts of grace and refers to the gifts or special abilities God has given believers through the Holy Spirit. Bible commentator Don Stewart describes them as not simply human talents or abilities, but spiritual gifts are God-given talents that are directed by the Holy Spirit. And ladies, if you have trusted in Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen reminds us of this, that we have a loving and generous Father who delights to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit when we ask Jesus into our lives. Now let's dig into our verses for today. Um, we're going to back up just a little bit and start in Romans 12, 3. So for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Listen to that list again. Prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, being generous, leading, showing mercy. Spiritual gifts are also discussed in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Ephesians 4, so you can add to that list. Knowledge, faith, evangelism, administration, pastoring, healing, helping, miraculous powers, speaking and interpreting tongues. It is an impressive list. And we don't have time to go into the detail about all of them today. We could have honestly used this entire fall to dig into the different gifts and all their various applications. And some of you may not be real familiar with all the spiritual gifts and what they look like. 
So I'm gonna give you a quick crash course kind of hypothetical illustration. Now this was part of a spiritual gifts assessment that I took about 20 years ago. Some of you may have taken one of these assessments at some point, um, and it still makes me laugh. So I want you to imagine that you're on a bus full of Christians that breaks down in the middle of nowhere, not by a bar, in the middle of nowhere. If the passengers on the bus represented an average variety of spiritual gifts, this is how they might respond. Administration. Does anyone know where the insurance and mileage forms are? Prophecy. If someone had checked this bus out thoroughly, we would not be in this situation. Wisdom. In the future, we should get the bus service before we leave. Teaching. Let me share with you three things we can learn from this. Mercy. This bus may be old and breaking down, but it will get us where we need to go if we're just patient. Exhortation, or encouraging. What a great opportunity to exercise patience. Giving. Let's take up a collection to get this bus fixed. Miracles. Let's pray for a plane. Leadership. Some of you ladies, come give us a hand with the transmission. Knowledge. I once read where a bus transmission could be overhauled with just a screwdriver. Helps. I'll hand you a screwdriver. Serving. I'll crawl under the bus and fix it with a screwdriver. Evangelism. I think I'm going to go share Christ with the bus driver. So I can imagine you can see yourself in one or two or three of those. And if you can't, I would bet your family or close friends could tell you exactly which passenger you are. But one thing I have always appreciated about this illustration is that it reminds me of how different, but also how vital we all are. None of us are gifted in every one of these areas. God didn't make me a leader and prophet and benefactor and teacher and servant and administrator. I may venture into some of these areas from time to time out of necessity, but he did not create me to shine bright with every single gift on that list and praise him for that, right? That would be a lot of pressure. Instead, by his grace, he equips us individually to work together as a body. Or as I heard it stated years ago, God made us instruments for a symphony, not for a bunch of solos. While I know that I can't have all the gifts, one temptation that I have personally struggled with over the years is that I often want someone else's gifts. This week, reflecting back on this made me think um, back to an incident from when I was about three years old. And I should give the disclaimer that I honestly don't, on my own, remember everything about this incident. Um, but this story has been preserved and passed along in my family and among our friends like a finely polished heirloom. And it's been told and retold so many times that I think I actually do remember it. Um, that year, the gift I wanted more than anything was a record player. Now, I definitely remember the record player. It was beautiful. It had this like hard royal blue plastic case, and it unlatched, and there was like this beautiful bright turntable and white needle. And I wanted it because my sister, who was two years older than me, had the same one. Now, my parents sometimes allowed my sister to have or to do certain things first because she was older. And much to my irritation, I sometimes had to wait. Of course, now I'm the mother of two daughters, who fittingly are also two years apart and also don't like to wait, so I get it. But when I was three, not so much. All I knew then was that I wanted a record player, and I didn't get it. According to the family legend, I was so irate and upset and overcome with the sense of being horribly cheated and wronged that not only did I completely ignore every gift that I was given that year, 
But I literally did not speak a word to my parents for two weeks as a three-year-old. I wish I was lying. My poor mother, I'm not lying. Um, I'm older now, and I'd like to think I'm a little more mature than that, but sometimes I still act like my three-year-old self when it comes to spiritual gifts. I've received a couple of beautifully wrapped, shiny, bought at great cost presents. I delight in them at first and play with them for a while, but then I turn my focus to someone else's beautifully wrapped, shiny, bought at great cost, bought at great cost present. Suddenly, that's the gift I want. Why would I want the gift of serving when I could have prophecy? Encouragement seems so dull and unimportant next to teaching and knowledge. What was my father thinking when he gave me this? I would much rather have that. So I pout, I put my present in the corner, and I refuse to use it, despite my father's thought and care in choosing that gift specifically for me. More often than I want to admit, I think I know better than God. If I'm being honest, I wish I were different. I wish I were gifted in, um, more gifted in certain areas. I want the gifts of evangelism and wisdom, and I want the gift of prophecy. Seriously, who does not want that one? It would make parenting easier. If I'm brutally honest, I'll admit that I sometimes wish my husband and my daughters were different too. God created them as purposefully and as uniquely as he created me, and still I want to tweak them just a little. This usually lines up with my self-serving motives and a desire for my family to be, to be perceived a certain way. I know that wanting to be wired differently and wanting others to be wired differently is foolish. Ashley touched on this last week when she referenced 1 Corinthians 12, 18 and 19, where Paul likens the body of Christ to the human body. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. God placed the parts just as he wanted them to be, and yet, I want to rearrange them. I want to decide. Some days, I'd rather give when I know that God is really calling me to serve or be an administrator instead of doing the work of encouragement. I want my husband to exhibit all the gifts all the time when God has clearly gifted him to lead, exhort, and serve others. Now, it's important to hit pause here and clarify that we are all called to love and serve our neighbors. Not every opportunity to love or serve falls squarely into our little spiritual gift sweet spot, but that doesn't mean we get a pass. We should all look for opportunities to evangelize, to be prayer warriors, to show mercy, to give sacrificially. But we each have certain gifts that we are uniquely called to, things that we are equipped to do that others are not, that God wants us to use for the benefit of others. And we should not ignore our gifts or let them gather dust because we've decided we'd rather be or do something else. The funny thing is, I know when I'm using the gifts that God gave me and when I'm letting the Holy Spirit guide my actions in service to his church because it's energizing, it's life-giving to me and those around me. Often it feels, if not completely effortless, then close. And even when it's hard, it feels rewarding, like finishing a tough workout or enjoying a meal that took hours to prepare. There's the flip side, though, too. My husband and I mentor premarital couples, and we often watch a short video by Andy Stanley from North Point Ministries, in which he talks about how in marriage, one person sometimes conforms to try to be more like the other person in order to make them happy or to appease them. For example, a husband may try to be more like his wife. He may try to be more extroverted or more organized or more spontaneous. The wife is thrilled but she doesn't realize how utterly draining it is for her husband to be that way because being that way is effortless for her. 
As Andy Stanley says, no one wakes up in the morning and has to look at themselves in the mirror and say, okay, be me, be me. He talks about this in the context of marriage, but I think it applies to spiritual gifts as well. When we let the Holy Spirit guide us in using our God-given gifts, um, I'm sorry, our God-given talents and abilities, it feels natural. It feels right, like putting on our favorite jeans or a custom-made suit. But when we try to be somebody else, it's exhausting and unfulfilling and awkward, like trying to pull off an ill-fitting dress or wear shoes that are too tight. Most importantly, it robs the body of Christ of our actual spiritual gifts. The importance of using the gifts that God has specifically given to us is illustrated beautifully in Acts 6. The early church was growing, but an issue arose between the Hellenists, who were the Greek-speaking Jews, and the Hebrews, who spoke Aramaic. The Hellenists complained that their widows were being neglected during the daily distribution of food. Look how the apostles respond, starting in verse 2. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. I love this. Remember Romans 12.3? For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. The apostles here aren't thinking of themselves more highly than they should. Rather, they are considering themselves with sober, measured judgment. They are evaluating the situation, and instead of just reacting and doing the work themselves, which often seems like the quickest and easiest solution, right? They choose to do the work that they know God called them to, and they call on others to do the same. Setting tables and making sure that the widows are fed and provided for wasn't beneath them. It just wasn't the job that God had called them to. Sorry. And yet, notice they didn't just say, find someone else to do it. They were specific about what characteristics, what gifts were needed. The situation called for hearts of service, but also for people who would have the wisdom and be able to navigate the cultural issues and differences between the Hellenists and the Hebrews. And when the right people were found, the apostles prayed for them and they laid hands on them. They showed that the people stepping into this role were needed and valuable. I admit that there have been times when I have needed someone to fill a role on a team or in a group, and instead of patiently praying for it and seeking out the person that God has gifted for it, I just look for the first willing body. I can find. And when I do this, I'm forgetting Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 12:8 that God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. When I just look for the first warm body, the first available person, I'm really showing my impatience and my lack of faith that God will reveal who he wants to use. In Acts 6, there is no detailed explanation of how the seven men were chosen or how long it took. But something tells me they didn't do eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Based on the amount of prayer and dependence on God that is shown by the apostles and disciples and acts, I'm guessing that the decision was prayed about 
and also impacted by the way the men had already exhibited and used their spiritual gifts. Now to me, the most beautiful verse in this passage is verse seven. So the word of God spread. When the individuals in the church were operating the way God intended, the gospel spread. The number of disciples increased rapidly. A large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This was a result of individuals serving as instruments in God's great symphony. I think it's easy to get caught up in the idea of individual spiritual gifts and forget that the Holy Spirit gives them to us as part of a larger purpose, which is to advance God's church. Our gifts aren't meant for us, but for us to use to serve others in Christ's name. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7 says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Again, our gifts aren't for us. They are for the common good or for the one body as Paul describes it in Romans 12. One way that I've seen this lived out is on short-term mission trips. I've been blessed to be a part of a number of short-term teams in the past decade. And ironically enough, I resisted that call for years, pushing back time and time again against going. Well, once I finally went, I realized that God had actually gifted me to lead. It's funny how that works. So I've had the opportunity to lead a few teams, and one of my favorite parts is helping people figure out how God gifted them and then getting to watch them use those gifts for his glory. This happens in a beautiful and unique way on mission trips, partly because you are away from the distractions of home and work and fully focused on serving God. Ideally, we should always be fully focused on serving God wherever we are, but the urgency to serve is magnified on these kinds of trips. And if you've ever been on one, you probably know what I'm talking about. The last trip that I led was in the summer of 2017. We had 40 adults and students going to El Salvador. For those of you who have never gone on a team, let me tell you that is a lot of people. Full disclosure, I did not want to take 40. I thought the team was way too big, and I kept trying to whittle it down. Um, but each and every applicant had a really compelling reason to go. Our host, Compassion International, was thrilled because the large number and diverse makeup of the team meant that we could do a lot to serve our partner churches in El Salvador. So over the course of the week, we held vacation Bible school for several hundred children, visited with and encouraged single mothers on home visits, prayed fervently with pastors, staff, and members of the community. We put on a leadership retreat for 150 teenagers that included organized games, small group time, sharing the gospel, listening to personal testimonies, and teaching from the Bible. Now, if we'd had five people, we could have done one or two of those things. 10 people, maybe we could have done three or four, maybe. But when you put 40 uniquely gifted individuals together who are like-minded and working towards the common goal of loving people and serving them in the name of Christ, well, we could do all of those things, and we could do them well. We had the administrative geniuses who organized the details of the youth retreat. We had a young couple that paid the trip balance for a teammate who had a really hard time raising her funds. We had people with the gift of mercy who listened to heartbreaking stories with love and responded in prayer. We had evangelists who shared boldly, teachers who broke down the word, and the list goes on. I want to share for a moment about one of our students, who I will call Brian. At the beginning, while we were still meeting and training stateside, I wasn't sure what to think of him. 
It wasn't that I thought he was bad. I just couldn't get a read on him at all. Um, once we were in El Salvador, I found Brian to be a solid member of the team. Always on time, always willing to help, great with the kids, more energetic than I had anticipated. He surprised me one night by bounding up to the front of the bus, grabbing the microphone, and entertaining us with stories and singing, and my stomach ended up hurting from laughing so hard. But the real shock came on our last night there. We were back at our hotel after a long and emotional day, debriefing and praying. We were ending with a large group prayer, all circled up, heads bowed, eyes closed, praying as we felt led. Brian hadn't prayed out loud in our large group all week, at least not that I could remember. All of a sudden, I hear this voice praying in a way that I can only describe as pure, overwhelming worship. He started by listing the names of God, Adonai, Yahweh, Elohim, Abba, Hashem, etc. And then he was just praying and praying with this sense of passion and urgency and authority about the gospel and the people of El Salvador. This kid was like 15. I'm not going to lie. I had to open my eyes to make sure it was him. It was amazing. I got to witness on that last night, after months of meetings in the US and after a week in El Salvador, as Brian finally let the Holy Spirit truly direct him. He has the gifts of exhortation and knowledge, and they were definitely coming out through his prayers. As delighted and awestruck as I was, I was also thinking, really, now? We are going home tomorrow morning. Where have you been for the past six months? Where have you been all this week? Where have you been hiding this? And I wasn't the only one. When we finished praying, half our team made a beeline to Brian to thank him and praise him for his prayer. I heard a couple of people say, where did that come from? And I didn't know you could pray like that. We were all affected by his prayers. He was using his common gift for, he was using his gift for our common good, just as God had intended. What gifts do you have that you might be hiding? or that you might need to pull out of the corner and dust off. Maybe you think you don't have any gifts, but you do. God gave to each one the manifestation of the spirit. If you don't know what your gifts are, there are a lot of assessments online or offered by churches that can help your process of figuring it out. But honestly, my gifts have always been the most clearly revealed when I've had a prayerful spirit and a heart that has been open to what God might have me do. It wasn't until I surrendered to God's nudging to go on my first missions trip that he revealed that I was gifted to lead. The best news about that, I don't have to lead on my own. Even if I have an ability to lead, that ability, all of our abilities, are frankly inadequate to do God's work without the leading of the Holy Spirit. And thankfully for all of us, that spirit is manifested in every spiritual gift. Whatever your gifts are, they matter. Whether you are delivering a meal to someone in hospice leading a small group, sorting clothing donations, sacrificially supporting a missionary, encouraging someone who is struggling with addiction, or ushering at church on the weekend, it matters. Remember Acts 6, 7? So the word of God spread. For that to happen, every instrument in the symphony is needed. We don't each have to play every part, but our best response to God's mercy, our best response to his grace and to his generosity is to do what he has gifted us to do. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, um, I love these women. I don't even know them all, but I love that they're here, that they love you, that they're open to what you would have um, for them this morning. And God, I love them because they represent your spiritual gifts, the vast, vast array 
and all the different ways that your spirit manifests itself in those who trust in you, God. Um, I know many of these women, and I've seen the way they have served and loved and used their gifts for the furtherment of your kingdom. And God, I just pray for each of us that we would always look for opportunities to use our gifts, that we wouldn't shy away from them, that we wouldn't want other gifts, um, that we wouldn't wish we were different. And so, God, um, I just pray for this room, this group, for the people that are listening, that we would embrace the way that you've made us, the way that you have uniquely gifted each one of us um, to serve you. And I pray, God, that we would be open 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 to your nudging, open to your leanings and your prompts by the Holy Spirit. Just thank you for your son, Jesus, and for this time today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.